Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you all. Lovely to see you all at home as well. Welcome. Um, it's so good to be back in the building together, isn't it, after um, a long time away. Um, our passage this morning, as Anne said, we're continuing in our series, Equipped on the Way. We'll be in Luke 14 in just a few moments. Um, but I wonder, over these last few weeks, when someone has perhaps invited you round to their garden for a drink or for some food, um, I wonder how you felt as you've received that invitation. Um, I certainly have enjoyed personally being able to invite, invita- invite people over and be receiving and, and going, to, uh, going to receive people's invitations to go and be with them to have dr- food and drinks. Um, now, I know that not all of us might feel comfortable at this point to say, to do that, to either extend or to accept an invitation, uh, but I'm very hopeful at some point soon we'll be able to do that. And what a joyous moment that will be when we can do that. Uh, eating meals in Luke's gospel is a major theme. Um, right throughout Jesus, uh, there are 11 meals in which Jesus is described as being present with people. In our series and in our weekly readings, we've seen nine of those 11, and today we're looking at the 10th in the middle of Luke chapter 14. Um, and meals in Jesus' day, they were, there was quite a lot ra- wrapped up in the culture. There was a lot wrapped up to do with honour and shame. Those who were honoured sat closest to the host, and those who were less honoured, uh, or shame, sat furthest from the host. And it was the norm, too, to send out two invitations. They didn't have emails or the Royal Mail or Twitter or Instagram um, to send out messages. They sent out two. They sent out one to say, hey, the host is going to throw a party. And then they sent out a second one to say, hey, now the party's ready, come on in. So in this passage today, uh, we see Jesus is, a meal, is at a meal with the Pharisees. The first part of chapter 14, uh, we, we, this meal picks up, we're picking up in the middle of chapter 14, but we know Jesus is with a group of Pharisees. Um, where Jesus is uh, speaking in parable terms already in this chapter, um, and he's confronting the pride and their assumption that they will receive the place of honour. Oh, how wrong they were with such an assumption. So let's pick up in chapter 14 of Luke's Gospel, beginning at verse 16. And Jesus is responding to uh, someone who's question. And Jesus begins to speak about this parable. And it's not just a meal. Meals are nice, aren't they? This is a banquet. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet... He sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything now is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just can't marry. I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and to the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. 
I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's two shocks in these passages. First is this. The refusal of the invitation by those who you wouldn't expect. And the second shock is the extension of the invitation to those in that day and age and that culture to whom you wouldn't expect. Ian spoke several weeks ago about the Pharisees. Remember? And Ian, in Ian's words, I love the way he said it, they've missed the point so spectacularly, Ian says. The point being that Jesus, the Son of God, was right before their very eyes. They thought they had it all, but out what became blindingly obvious, and what becomes blindingly obvious throughout the Gospels, is that we see they hadn't got it. They'd missed the point. And yet it's so easy for us, isn't it, to read the Gospels and think, oh, Pharisees, you're absolute pillocks. Come on. Why are you so proud? Why are you so thick? It's Jesus before you. But lest I remind you of what Jesus said to the Pharisees earlier in chapter 6, don't look at a brother or sister and look at the speck in their eye before looking at the plank in your own eye. What's the plank in your eye today? And it was a problem Jesus often confronted the Pharisees with. And if we're willing, and if we're really humble about it, are we going to position ourselves before God and allow the words of Jesus to truly confront us? So this parable Jesus is speaking of is the eschatological banquet. That's a fancy word. Basically means at the end of time when Jesus returns in all his glory and he's going to be united with his church, the bride, there's going to be the banquet of all banquets for all time. I can't wait for that moment. I mean, don't get, I, I, I do like a bit of food, but oh my word, that day, that's going to be something else, isn't it? What a feast. You see, the Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection and at the end time. So listening to Jesus, they would have understood conceptually the sort of point Jesus was perhaps trying to make. The imagery of the banquet of all banquets. That God is the host. He sends the messengers out. But there's a sharp focus in the parable. Those who think they'll be at the end banquet won't actually be at the banquet at all. So it begs the question, doesn't it? Why would you refuse to go to such a banquet? And that is precisely the point Jesus is trying to make to the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees think that they're going to be at the banquet, but there's a shock horror moment, and we read about it a few weeks ago in chapter 11, when the Pharisees themselves had proclaimed their rejection of Jesus. And the parable, yes, it's directed in that point in time towards the Pharisees, but the beauty of parables is that they transcend many cultures and many times, and they can speak to us today. We too, I think, can be like Pharisees. We can believe in the resurrection. But we can become so proud with the massive planks in our eyes that we fail to see 
what God is doing. We get caught up in religion and we get caught up in being lost in what God in his spirit is leading us to every single day. Now the parable is not about the rich and the poor, despite the references in it. Poor people get married, then and now. That's not the point. A side note is I do think it does uh, lend itself to give us the cause to think about some implications about our attitude to the poor because it's to those unexpected people that the invitation in that culture was extended. But in this particular context, the, the issue or the question isn't so much how should I treat the poor or what about honour and shame? It's about being confronted with Jesus' teaching. No excuse is valid when you're faced with a kingdom call. No excuse is valid when you're faced with the kingdom call. Cast your minds back to Ash Wednesday. Or if you can't remember, I'd encourage you to go back and watch it on our YouTube channel. We looked at just a few verses, small but significant in Luke's gospel. There Jesus is, is three people come to Jesus and say, I'm going to follow you. But then they each give their own excuse at that point. And in two, in this parable, there are three people that have uh, excuses. Possessions and family, whatever else it might be, money perhaps. They ought not to prohibit our following of Jesus and obeying the kingdom call to follow him. So the three people in chapter 9, mirrored here by the three excuses here in chapter 14. And the three excuses in chapter 14, they're in part loosely related to Deuteronomy chapter 20. And Jesus is clever because Jesus knows the Pharisees would have known this. And so the excuses that Jesus tells, he speaks about this parable, is in relation to those things. Jesus is telling a parable, don't forget, about an invitation to a banquet. And he weaves in excuses from Deuteronomy chapter 20. But here's the thing. The excuses in Deuteronomy chapter 20, they're related to war. Jesus' parable isn't about war, it's about an invitation. Subversive Jesus. Don't you just love Jesus? How subversive he is. He knows who he's speaking to. He knows that they'll know this stuff. And he flips it on its head. And the excuses, well, they seem absurd, don't they, in the face of it? When I was reading this this week, I just couldn't help stop smiling. Like, just, why would you do this? In these excuses, they're just nonsense. Why would you refuse to go to such a banquet? So the parable leads us then to be asking, who will be at the banquet? Well, it's the chosen of God, the people of God, the elect. Um, and in this little section in Luke, in chapter 14 and chapter 15, there's a particular focus on invitations and how people respond to such invitations that God gives to people. Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son. The elder son goes away. The father extends the invitation, but he rejects the invitation to come back. The question at this point in Luke's gospel for us to focus on is simply this. God is throwing a party. Are you coming? God 
is throwing a party, are you coming? No one here is. God is throwing a party. Are you coming? It's not so much about being the invited one. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't be proud in thinking that you've got it all sorted. The focus is about the response to the invitation. And I think there's excuses that abound aplenty for each of us, myself included, for reasons why we might not want to respond to God's invitation daily. And I'll come on to that in just a few moments. But there's this tension, I think, where some of these excuses can be drawn out. A kind of spiritual laziness. I'll do what you want me to, God, later. Put it to one side. Busyness. I've got too much on right now. Can't do it. Arrogance. I'm all sorted. I've got it all together. Me, my life beyond death is saved. I can just cruise control, see it through. Greed. I've got enough, so there's no need to bother. What's your excuse? If you're really honest with God today and yourself, what's your plank? Where, if you're really honest, you're just trying to peer around and trying to see other people trying to peer around, you're trying to ignore the plank that's right there to see the speck in someone else's eye as you look at someone else's life. There's a plank, what is it for you? The Pharisees, the perhaps for them it would have been a little bit like, oh, well, I'm too busy doing religion, too busy caught up and waiting for God's kingdom and Messiah to come, as we've already looked at. God's Messiah and God's kingdom had come in Jesus. But the thing that particularly struck me this week, is just we come into land now, um, is the tense in which Jesus tells this parable. Remember the way that invitations were sent? First to say, come, come on, we're throwing a party. Second one to say, come now. Come now, for everything is ready, says the host. Come now. Present tense, in the very moment. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus... We get to live in this wonderful reality of the now and the not yet. The now of our, the, the assurance of our sins forgiven. Of purpose, of meaning, of life. And certainty of the hope that one day in the not yet, we will get to be with God forever in his perfect presence. The invitation is out there. For many of us today, perhaps we've responded to that. But how are we responding the difference. Do you see the tense? We have responded. Yes, we're saved by faith. But how are we responding daily? And to who, crucially, are we then extending an invitation to? Did you see right at the end of the parable, Jesus says, the house has got plenty of room. This room, notwithstanding the fact that there's COVID restrictions in place, is not full. There is room in the house. 
as Christians, we've responded to God's ultimate invitation, that past tense, done and dusted. Yes. The not yet of heaven is secure. The parable shapes the question ever so differently. How are you responding daily, present tense, expectant and ready? Is that you? We've accepted, we've responded past. We're responding daily, present to God's guiding and leading. What other priority in your life at the moment are you most likely to use as an excuse for not wanting, for not choosing to submit to Jesus right now? On gift day, I love being able to give because God has so generously given to us. In Jesus' death and his resurrection, he's given us an invitation. The invitation of all invitations that we can respond to in faith and in faith then extend that invitation to others. So I'm going to leave asking two final questions for us to pause and think about. The first is this. How and to who are you extending an invitation to right now? And secondly, are you done and dusted? Or are you expectant and ready?